Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Paid in Full Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Rausch, and this is episode number eight, another week down. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate you. The questions have been awesome. You guys are super interactive, um, and it's helping me learn more about what you guys are interested in so I can talk about some of those things. Um, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast. That helps me know from, uh, where you guys are tuning in from. Also, if, you liking, uh, if you're liking what you're hearing so far, please rate it. Give me five stars. Uh, that would help it uh, grow in the Apple Music iTunes community. And um, this podcast is going to be available on other platforms as well in the future. So stay tuned for that. Also, I hope everyone out there is staying healthy and safe right now. It is a very intense time, especially for the music community. Um, I know a lot of people are struggling during this time and there are a lot of services out there that are trying to help the music community financially. Um, So I'll be posting some resources too as we uh, kind of get through this pandemic and this challenging time. But stay physically healthy and mentally healthy. That's also really, really important. So um, let me know uh, if you guys have any questions about anything along the way. And I'm happy to continue helping. And uh, let's let, we're all in this together, all right? So this week um, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about actually sound recording royalties. We're making a little bit of a shift here. Now, I've been focusing so much on publishing royalties up till now, you know, talking about performance royalties, mechanical royalties, really diving in on the musical composition side uh, for songwriters because everything starts with the copyright. You know, there really is no recording without that song. So I wanted to really start our foundation talking about publishing, but now that we've kind of covered some basic areas, and we're going to do a lot more, don't get me wrong, but I wanted to just shift into sound recordings to to try to tie it in and make sense of this world as a whole. So, because sound recordings are the other half of this universe, and that's kind of how you have to think about it, is like, One half is the musical composition and the other half is the sound recordings. Now, a quick review about sound recordings and also you can just go back to episode number three too if you need a refresher where I talk about sound recordings, why they're valuable and some of the important components. But let's just quickly uh, review what they are. So sound recordings are kind of like what they sound like. They're literally the sound recording, but it's not just limited to music. A sound recording can be um, any sound recorded Mostly, there are some limitations with some things. You know, there has to be a certain length, they have to have a certain importance, but generally, a sound recording can be anything from a song to a sound design or a music cue. You know, um, it can be like a sound effect. So, uh, it could also be this podcast. This podcast, I am doing a sound recording here. So there's a lot of different things that can constitute as uh, sound recordings. But for the music uh, side of this, we're going to talk about sound recordings and songs uh, and what they really mean. So first, you know, someone writes a song. That person can be you or it can be a separate songwriter. And songs themselves aren't a tangible thing. It's when they're put into a tangible form, often in the form of a recording that they become tangible. And that's such an important component. Now, also, um, a song can have many, many different recordings attached to it. So when we talk about sound recordings, there's lots of different sound recordings that can go back 
to a certain song. That's like cover recordings. For example, take your favorite song. I could sing it, you could sing it, or I can make a recording, you can make a recording, and 10,000 other people can make a recording. Each one of those recordings has its own right. It's constituted as its own sound recording and falls into some important copyright protection for that individual recording. And that's the big difference when we talk about sound recordings and actual music compositions because there is only one musical composition, but there can be an infinite amount of sound recordings. So just kind of keep that in mind. So when we talk about copyright law, some of these uh, rights that we find with the musical composition are also for the sound recording, like the right to reproduce and make copies, the right to distribute, the right to make derivative works and the right to publicly perform, but by means of digital audio transmission. Now that last right, the perform means of a digital audio transmission, that right we don't see with the musical composition. That only is a right that pertains to sound recordings. And I talk about more, uh, I talk about that more in episode three. But just to let you know, there is also a performance, a digital performance right when it comes to the sound recording. So, Today, when we're going to start talking about sound recording royalties, I just want you to keep in mind there's a lot of different royalties that kind of flow through here as well. We're not going to cover all of them today, but we're just going to start to unpack this and um, get, get used to how these royalties are flowing down to the owners of that sound recording. So first, uh, I just want to run through examples of people who may own sound recordings and uh, really open up that side. So one, it's the recording artist generally creates the sound recording. So they're the ones actually recording the song. Now, a lot of recording artists also are songwriters. Um, I've been talking to a lot of uh, singers and rappers lately who ask this question and I always say, look, you really have to divide yourself into separate people. And I, re- I know I repeat this many times, but uh, it's just so important because it kind of just blends together so easily. But you got to think of yourself of, you know, if you're, for example, if you're a rapper and um, or a singer and you're writing your own lyrics, you know, you're sitting there, you're writing all your lyrics, and that's when you're the songwriter. Then when you go into the booth and you record those lyrics that you just wrote, you are now the recording artist. And those are the two separate functions. I want to make that clear um, because when you wrote the song, that's the publishing. When you recorded the song, that's the sound recording. That's the artist side. So always define yourself. If you, if you do both these, if you do write your songs and record them, define yourself separately. Define yourself as a songwriter on one end and a recording artist on the other end. This terminology is so important and I wouldn't be repeating this a million times if I didn't believe it because um, no matter what, I, I, I say this so much and uh, it's something I always have to revisit with people because it's kind of tough to separate yourself into two different entities, especially when you're kind of seamlessly going through the creative process. So try to incorporate this line of thought just in your daily life and your work and separate yourself as these kind of two different entities, all right? The songwriter and the recording artist. Now, as the recording artist, that's where we get into the sound recording world. So you're really creating this recording. You know, you're recording your vocals, your vocals in the song in itself, and the whole thing is called the sound recording. Now, another example is like music producers, Um, you guys who are creating the music, especially in pop music or hip hop music, um, you're creating the track, right? The, the sounds, the drums, 
you know, the, the beat basically. So this track of music, you're creating this recording. You're also writing that music. So uh, as songwriters, you're also, you know, participate on the songwriting side too, uh, which is the publishing. But as you now create these sounds and create a recording of these sounds, you're playing them, you're playing, you're creating the track. Well, that track becomes the sound recording too. So there's, um, I'm, I'm just trying to separate kind of and define where the sound recording world really happens because it'll make a lot more sense when we dive into the royalty flow. So those are just a couple examples of this sound recording world. Now, as a recording artist, um, we're going to focus on two different lanes here. Um, one is going to be deals with record labels. So when you actually get a record deal or if you're independent and you're doing a distribution deal and what those two mean and how the royalties are different for both in terms of how they flow. I'm going to be doing a lot of different episodes about deals themselves, um, what to negotiate, the different terms, what they mean, how they're structured. But for now, it's more about defining what they are. Okay. So first, let's start with a record deal. So as a recording artist, uh, you know, you're going to go, one of the objectives is always to Um, or as often, not always, is to get a record deal. Meaning when you do a record deal, it's common for the record label to sign you as a recording artist and they own the master, which is called the sound recording. Master and sound recording are synonymous, okay? They mean the same thing. When you talk about the master, you're talking about that master recording. So you sign a record deal and in that record deal, um, they own your recording, and usually that give, they give you an advance, a nice chunk of money. And in that deal, you'll find that you're basically um, doing this as a work for hire, meaning they're kind of hiring you and they own the, to create these master sound recordings. And for that, they give you money, they give you marketing money, touring money, and a bunch of different things that they're involved in. Now, so you do this deal and the record company, you know, they let's say, hey, let's create an album. They work with you on this album. You have some singles and, uh, you know, you're getting ready to release all your music. Once you release that music, it's now released on a bunch of different platforms on um, it could be something physical like CDs and vinyl, or it could be downloads on iTunes. So you have sales of these recordings happening. And you also have streaming, obviously, in the streaming age. So that's Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora, Deezer, Tidal, um, all these different streaming platforms where your music is going. You also have it on YouTube. So there's, uh, you know, YouTube music. You have ad revenue, user-generated content that happens. So meaning users are uploading videos with your recording in it. And um, there's internet radio that happens like you know, uh, iHeartRadio or Sirius or Satellite Radio uh, or Pandora's non-interactive radio. So you have those radio kind of those digital radio components happening. Um, And your songs are also played on terrestrial radio, which I'll get into separately, but uh, you actually don't get a royalty for the terrestrial radio, just the digital side. But I'm just trying to open your mind up to the different ways your sound recording is used. It's also used uh, in synchronization uses, which we haven't touched upon too much yet, but those are uses where your sound recording is used in TV or film, um, you know, synced to a visual, to an audiovisual mean. So, you know, these are just different ways your sound recording can be used 
uh, out there. And it's kind of how we thought about publishing a few episodes back, all the ways your composition can be used. Now, other ways that kind of separate sound recordings and publishing, think about like a print sheet, like sheet music, right? There's no sound recording in that. So that's only publishing. There's no sound recording component when you're seeing sheet music or when you're reading lyrics on a, on a, a website like let's say Genius, for example, where it, you're only reading the lyrics. There's no sound recording implemented there. Sometimes they allow the track to be played from this site, but generally just reading lyrics, you're, there is no sound recording, so you don't get royalties for that. So these are just some differences you see from publishing to sound recordings. But just to, to understand you know, and keep these things separate, it's good to kind of go through the different ways that uh, sound recordings generate money. Now, the record label in that record deal scenario, because they own the sound recording, they're going to collect the royalties all around the world for every way that your sound recording is being used. All the, you know, streaming platforms, all the CDs, all the downloads, um, all any sync money, they're going to collect all this money for you. But let's just focus right now on um, the downloads and the streams, kind of that type of royalty that comes in for the sale and streaming of your song. Record label collects that money. And then they're going to pay you a portion of that money that's collected. And that is what's called an artist royalty. Very, very clearly, I want you to understand, it's called an artist royalty and it's based on an artist royalty rate which is negotiated when you do a deal with the record company. Um, usually it's defined as points. So, uh, you know, points is another word for percentage, but usually an artist rate is, uh, it could be, you know, maybe an average of 10 to 15% um, of, the, of the sales, of the revenue. And uh, it, that revenue can be calculated in a few different ways based on the pricing, but we'll get into that in a totally separate episode. But just know an artist rate can be between there often. Um, it can be lower. It can be as low as like 7%. It could be as high as like 20, 25%, depending on like your leverage and your popularity and things that you kind of bring to the table. But generally, um, that's what you'll find. So when the record label collects this money for the use of your sound recording uh, that you created, they basically pay you that artist royalty rate based on that. And those are the royalties that you get from the record label are those artist royalties. So if you guys are signed to a deal, whether it's a major record label or an independent record label, um, that's one way of getting paid. There's different record deals. Uh, you know, there's net profit deals. You see those a lot in the independent world where you kind of split the net profits, which are the, uh, you know, the revenue after basically expenses where labels and artists um, split that. It's, it's a very common way in the independent world. But generally, if you're doing like a major deal or a more traditional record deal, uh, it's going to be based on your uh, artist royalty rate, which is that percentage that's negotiated when you do the deal. So those are your artist royalties in, in that scenario. Now, um, I'm shifting gears here to how this relates to a distribution deal. So moving, this is kind of step number two. When you do a distribution deal, and I'm not talking about uh, just yet like services like DistroKid or TuneCore. I'm talking about maybe doing like a, a distribution deal with a larger entity. It could be a major company that's only distributing your music um, or, you know, a distribution company directly. What 
most distribution deals do, since they don't own your sound recording, you own your sound recording. And that's the big difference than a traditional record deal. You saw recently, uh, I posted um, an article that uh, Steve Stout was um, doing. He did a podcast and, you know, he's with United Masters talking about the distribution deal versus the record deal. It's a very uh, great episode that he did on Music Business Worldwide podcast. But that's what he talks about is that you own your rights when you, you own your master recording. That's the big, big difference when you do a distribution deal. And often in a distribution deal, they don't own the, the recording, but they take a percentage of the income. And that income, the percentage can be, you know, as low as 10%. I've even seen like as low as 5% with some distributors, but it can be, you know, 10% up to 30% or even 40%, really depending on the splits, you know, the advance, the recruitment, what kind of what's involved, the length, the term, there's a lot of different factors, but they work on a percentage of the revenue. So uh, that's the, that's the big, big difference. And you know, so say, you know, 100% of the money comes in, they're going to take, you know, say 10 or 20%, and then you get paid the rest of that money. Those are also, um, they're, they're not necessarily called artist royalties. They're actually, you know, sound recording royalties because you haven't done an artist deal like you would with a record deal. So they're, uh, those are the sound recording royalties that you get. And that's what happens in a a traditional distribution deal. And again, there's a lot of nuances here. I'm giving a very general perspective. So, you know, don't hang up on on the depths of a distribution deal because we'll get into that. I'm just trying to uh, show you the different way money can flow down to you as an artist. Um, The third way is uh, what you see a lot in the independent space where people use distribution companies like... DistroKid or TuneCore, where it's a service and you actually pay a yearly fee, and you know it's like thirty nine dollars or twenty nine dollars a year, um, depending on the plan you use. Um, it could be forty nine or, or whatever their plan is at that time, and you pay that yearly fee, and they don't actually take any commission off of your revenue. They pay your revenue to you at a hundred percent. And they, all they require is that yearly fee. That's their business model. So not only do you own all of your recordings, they don't take any ownership of it, of your masters, but um, you're also getting 100% of your revenue paid to you. You just have to pay that annual fee. So as long as you're covering your cost, uh, yearly cost of that you know, uh, $39 a year, then you're actually just making all profit at that point, which is great. So though that can be a great option for people that, um, you know, want to distribute their music and you know, that you don't get an advance. That's another big difference when you use a distribution service like DistroKid or TuneCore, they're not giving you that big advance or providing you with marketing money or marketing budget, um, just doing different things, you know, a video budget, these other things come with a bigger distribution deal or a record deal. This is purely kind of bare bones. All you're doing is distributing your music across all the different platforms. And uh, that's kind of what comes with it. So those are the kind of the different royalty streams that you can get um, as an artist and a, or, or a person that owns the sound recording. And just wanted to make that very, very clear 
and keeping it separate from you know publishing royalties. Now, also just kind of as we're going through this overview today, I want to talk about some other people involved in the sound recording royalty side, and that one is producers. So producer royalties come from artist royalties, which come from sound recordings. So you know, say you uh, produce a song for an artist on a major record label um, or is in a record deal, usually your producer fee, you're going to get a fee up front uh, or, or it can come as a front end and a back end fee. And then you're going to get a percentage of back end royalties. And the percentage of royalties usually is between three to 5% of the artist royalties. So say the artist has a 15% royalty deal with the record label and you get 3% uh, as, a, as your three points, as a producer, that's going to be 3% of the artist's 15%. So your royalties is going to get paid out from that artist's royalty side. Uh, generally, that's how producers are paid. Now, producers, side note here, you guys have to kind of divide yourself into separate people too because you're also often songwriters, especially if you're contributing to the music of the track. Like, say you produced the beat, um, you know, you you made the music, you wrote the music, so you're going to be a, contributed as a songwriter. So that's on the publishing side, but also as a producer, that's on the sound recording side. So that's where producers can make a couple different streams of income. The publishing is one, and the producer fees and the points on the artist side is the other. So if you're a producer, make sure you're getting both of these royalty streams paid to you, one for the sound recording and one for the writing and publishing. Now, another person who uh, is involved in the sound recording world is also the featured artist. So if you're a featured artist, you are also getting royalties from that sound recording side and it functions very similar, uh, similarly to the producers where you get a fee to be featured and also a royalty. It can be, I've seen it as low as 10%. I've seen it as high as 25 or even 30% of the sound recording revenue. So that's how a featured artist, so if you're doing a verse on someone's track, um, or uh, you know you're you're doing the hook, and you're being featured on the track, then you also participate in those artist royalties and those sound recording royalties. Now every deal is structured differently. There's a lot of flexibility. This is not you know one way and that's it. Um, I mean I'm, I'm sure a lot of artists who are listening to, to this have figured things out. Hey, let's split this here. Let's give you this here. Um, we'll just buy you out here. There's a lot of different variations that you can explore. But I'm just talking about some common ones that happen really relatable to the sound recordings. So again, the goal is to keep all this separate and really know who you are in what scenario so you understand which royalties you're supposed to get. And we could walk through a couple examples. So let's take uh, the example of an artist who's with a major record deal. So you sign a, a deal with a record label and what you're going to get your royalties from is going to come from that a royalty statement that the record label is sending you. And this is in the case of, let's say you don't write your own music. You're purely working with songwriters. They write songs for you and you record them. So the royalties that you're going to be getting are going to be coming directly from the record label. That's going to be your artist royalties. That's This is scenario number one. And if you got an advance, uh, obviously, you know, we've all know about the world of advances when you do deals. It's very common that you get an advance. Um, you'll only get those royalties paid out to you once your advance is recouped. 
which we'll uh, we'll also dive into later. It's basically, you know, like a loan. Hey, here's your upfront money. We're advancing you this money. Once we make all this back, you'll start to see your artist royalties. Now, if you're a recording artist and a songwriter, meaning you, you know, you write the lyrics or the music and you also record it, then you're going to have two separate deals. One is going to be with the record label, which is your recording deal. And one is going to be with the music publishing company, which is your publishing deal to represent your songwriting. So you're going to see royalties from the sound recording from the record label and your publishing royalties from the publishing company, two streams of royalties. Then in the scenario, let's say, you are a recording artist and you have a distribution deal, but you don't write your own songs, so no songwriting. Your royalties are coming strictly from the distribution company, the distributor. So you'll do a deal with them. You're going to own the rights of your song and they're going to pay you out your sound recording royalties uh, that have generated from the use of your sound recording. And the same thing kind of plays out if you're an independent artist and uh, you do a, a distribution, you know, you use a service like DistroKid or TuneCore for a, a distribution service, all that money that's coming from there is strictly the sound recording money the from all the different ways your sound recording is being used. Now, if, uh, if you're also a songwriter and you're using a distribution service, then you either need to be in a publishing deal or you need to be with a publishing administration company um, or a service like SongTrust to capture your publishing money. So you'll have your deal with DistroKid and you'll have a deal with SongTrust. Those will capture both lanes of your music, the sound recording and musical composition. Now, I know I'm, uh, I'm saying this a lot here, uh, so if it sounds redundant, you know, my apologies, but uh, it's important to be this clear because I can't tell you how many people I come across almost daily that aren't getting all of their royalties simply because they are unsure of the roles that they play when it comes to the sound recording or the musical composition. So um, another question I get too in kind of blending these worlds together is, you know, uh, if you're an independent artist and uh, you're with, you know, use a, dif- a distribution service like uh, DistroKid or TuneCore. I know TuneCore offers to collect your publishing. That's like an option that they have. Um, you can click that and they'll also collect your publishing money, similar to what something like SongTrust would do. So, but if you don't opt into that, then you do need to be with a company that's going to collect that side of your income. I get that question a lot. Like I ask people, hey, are you collecting your publishing money? And they say, yes, it's coming through a distro kid. And then I'll look at their royalty statements. Um, and they're not. They're only collecting their money for their sound recording. There is nothing coming in from the publishing side because they haven't opted in um, or they simply... Uh, just didn't know. So it's really also important to look at your royalty statements. And uh, we'll talk more about kind of, um, you know, how the the rates are calculated and things like that later. But look at your royalty statements. Um, I recently was looking through DistroKid. And uh, it's funny, they actually have it listed as C excruciating detail um, in the section if you're if you guys are with DistroKid, definitely see that excruciating detail. It's not that excruciating. You guys should spend time looking at your royalty statements. It'll show you the titles, the territory, the number of units, the streaming amount. You'll be able to calculate so much. The statements are where the data is. That's where all the insights are. Understand this stuff. The the, the royalty statements 
are the roadmap for all of this. Get comfortable with it. Um, it kind of bugged me that it was, uh, you know, it says excruciating detail. It's not excruciating, guys. Let's get rid of that, you know, uh, you know, thought that, ugh, look at all this accounting. This is why people, um, generally creatives and artists, don't want to deal with this stuff because they think it's so painful when it's really not. Understand what you're looking for. This is your money. This is the most important thing. This is like your lifeblood here uh, that you need to survive. So get comfortable with these statements and uh, and flip through it. Learn them. Dissect them. So, so important. And you wouldn't believe also on how many statements are often inaccurate. And you would be able to, to, to look through and realize things that maybe aren't true or uh, or aren't accurate, or you may not be reported on songs that you should be. You may not be credited on, credited on songs that you should be. There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong in the statements. So uh, if you really want to know if you're getting paid all your money, you've got to look into that detail. It's incredibly important. So that being said, um, again, this episode was to really just introduce this sound recording royalty world and start to kind of blend it in with the music publishing world so we can kind of see the full picture of where you stand. So understand your role as a songwriter and where those royalties are coming from. Understand your role as a recording artist and where those royalties are coming from. Or if you own a record label or you own a music publishing company, understand the royalties that are coming to you and who you have to be paying out in terms of producers or featured artists or uh, the artists themselves or you know, songwriters or co-writers, understand your responsibilities on where that, how that money is coming in and how that money needs to be paid out. Really, really important. There's lots of royalties out there and we're going to cover different types of sound recording royalties. We didn't talk about performance or um, you know, uh, you know, foreign royalties and how some of those different types work. There's a lot of different uh, royalties that you can get for participating on songs in different ways, whether it's a session musician, a vocalist, um, you know, things, you know, even an engineer, there's different ways, mixers, there's different ways you can participate as well. We didn't get into it here, which we'll be going through in, um, you know, further, further down the line. But mainly, I just want to get you guys used to the fact that there are these different worlds of royalties uh, for depending on who you are, how you participate and where they're coming from. So let's start to put these worlds together. Let's start to see the big picture. It's not linear. It's not you just plug into to one place and you get everything. Unfortunately, the industry doesn't work like that. It works in a lot of different ways and there's tons of things you have to do to make sure you're getting all your royalties. It's incredibly complex. So this is just opening that world up a little bit, one layer at a time. We're gonna peel it back and, and start to understand this, okay? So make sure you understand if you have any questions um, tapping into this world or it's still a little bit fuzzy, don't stress. Feel free to reach out to me. You can drop comments uh, on my socials at Paid in Full Pod. You could also DM me directly. I'm all over the internet. So, um, you know, connect with me and uh, I'm help, happy to, to help you walk through this stuff because uh, it is a bit tricky and I want to make sure that you guys are getting paid in full at all times. All right. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you guys on the next episode.